This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hello. Good afternoon. The last session of the day. Um, thanks for showing up. Um, and we're going to do our very best to make this worthwhile uh, so that you can leave with some fresh information, insights, opinions that you can share at happy hour, um, and maybe a smile or two as well. Um, my name is Jeff Vidler. I am president and founder of Signal Hill Insights. We're a survey research firm um, serving publishers and advertisers. Um, I'll, I'll make other introductions later, but first what I would like to do is just sort of set the table a little bit um, on the whole topic of the long tail. And that's what we're going to be talking about. How can the long tail help podcasting get the next billion dollars um, in advertising revenue? Um, and we're going to talk about what are the barriers, what are the opportunities. But first, just to put a little bit of perspective on the long tail itself, a little definitional thing here. What is the long tail? I mean, the long tail was originally the long tail theory posed by Chris Anderson of Wired. Um, all about the same time as podcasting got started, back in 2004. And this is a quote from the book he wrote. Um, and, and just this quote really does tell it all. For the first time in history, hits and niches, I'm Canadian, I say niches, not niches, um, are on equal economic footing. Both just entries in a database called up on demand, both equally worthy of being carried. Suddenly, popularity no longer has a monopoly on profitability. Um, and, you know, over time, um, that's proven itself in certain areas more than others. Um, you know, Netflix, there's been studies that were done with Netflix that said, actually, it hasn't changed much. Um, people watch the hit movies, they just watch the hit movies anyhow. But when you're talking about podcasting, kind of like blogs, the long tail is a huge part um, of consumption. Uh, podcast, and this is comes from this is a study that we do, a survey that we do uh, in support of Triton Digital's Podcast Metrics Demos Plus survey. So this is a year's worth of surveys, um, 12,269 survey interviews. We ask people to name up to 10 podcasts they've listened to in the past month. The average person names three. But of those 12,269 podcast listeners, they identified 12,235 different podcasts. That means, on average, the average listener who says they listened to three podcasts in the last month, each one added one more podcast to that long tail. The chart below, that shows the long tail, but it shows it only among the top 200 podcasts. And you can see the far left, um, that represents those podcasts, the handful of podcasts that have a lot of survey mentions um, over the course of the past year. And then you can see that tail drops down quite dramatically by the time you even get to the top 200. Now, if we, I try to show it for all 12,000, you wouldn't see the long tail, you wouldn't see the head of that tail. In fact, we'd be probably somewhere out in the street um, if we were to put that, um, that long tail there. That's, you know, podcasting really is a long tail medium. We've talked, there's been a lot of talk over the past couple of years about hits. 
And how do you get hits? Well, you know what? So much of this is not about the hits. Um, of all those survey mentions, the top 200 only represent a little over one-third of all the survey mentions um, because there's a lot of listening and a lot of engagement um, with listeners out on the long tail. I'm going to turn it over now to Daryl Bataglia, Senior Vice President, uh, Market Measurement Me Products. That's uh, right. And he's going to take it sort of a different step on this, looking at podcast metrics data, but the download data um, that we collect as well. And it has some interesting findings about the long tail from that. Hi there. Um, so a couple other cool stats for you. Um, Triton measures a good portion of the industry's downloads. And we looked at uh, publishers that we measured both the first half of last year versus the first half of this year. And what we've seen is more podcasts are being successful at building an audience than before. Uh, and, and we actually saw, uh, looking at the long tail, we're looking at US downloads, 1,000 downloads plus per month. There's a 28% increase in the number of podcasts that have at least 1,000 downloads a month. So we're seeing more podcasts than ever before that are being successful at building an audience. Uh, and, and that's a, a good sign for the industry as well as for podcasters that are hoping to find success. And then the other thing is, it is the long tail. It's that smaller tier of podcasts that are growing the fastest. And so we broke up the podcast from, from the first half of 2021 into tiers. Everything from the, the, the super largest, which are 10 million plus per month, uh, 1 million to 10 million, 100,000 to, to million, uh, 10,000 to 100,000, and then uh, the 1,000 to 10,000 in, in yellow. And year over year, uh, the long tail, that 1 to 10,000 per month, grew the most. It grew by 54%. Uh, within that, true crime grew by 92%. Uh, news and sports grew by 70%. Uh, so what we're seeing is the, the long tail is really driving a lot of the growth in the industry. There's growth across the board, but the long tail is definitely being successful in uh, continuing to grow from a listening standpoint. And it really does tie into that long tail theory, which is that um, over time, the uh, consumption moves from the hits to the niches um, because they're available and you can get them. Now, discovery is one of the challenges. We know that, and there's been a lot of discussion about that at the conference. But, um, but there really is a long tail, and it is important. And I'm going to turn over um, to we have a couple of the preeminent um, podcast advertising experts um, in, uh, in, in, in the US um, to just Give us, first of all, just a brief introduction of your perspective that you bring to this topic from what you're doing. Um, and also, just why do you think it is important, or do you think it's important, uh, for ad dollars to move out onto that long tail? Hi, my name is Heather Osgood, and I'm the founder of True Native Media. We're a podcast representation firm, and we work with this long tail. Um, so I founded the company specifically because I found that there were all of the large podcasts that didn't have a problem getting advertisers for their show, but then there was everybody else. And I really felt like that uh, needed to be served. And as we can see, it obviously does need to be served. I think that it is 
absolutely critical for the growth of the industry that we are monetizing all impressions. I know that, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk always about ad load and, you know, are we going to overwhelm our listeners? Are they going to continue to listen to podcasts if we get too many ads in them? But I think that when you look at podcasts and when you look at many other forms of, of mediums and, and um, you know, media out there, that the reality is, is that podcasts really don't have overwhelming ad loads. Um, if you're listening to a show and you get I don't know, two, three, maybe four ads an episode? Like, is that really overload? You know, when you're listening to terrestrial radio and they have like, I don't know, an ad break with 10 ads in it. So there's so much opportunity. And if we want to get to the next level in terms of real compensation um, in the industry and to compensate these creators, we have to come up with a way to really monetize every impression. Yeah, I totally agree. Hi, everybody. I'm Sarah Van Mosel. I am uh, EVP of something called the iHeart Audience Network. Um, I came to this space, like the, the perspective that I have on this topic in particular is almost uh, like simultaneous with my like career journey. I started way back in 2010 at WNYC, and my job was to figure out how to monetize Radiolab. And Radiolab was huge. And so at that point, the world was just show by show, like how many shows could a sales team remember? Like that's who got monetized, right? <laughs> and then we quickly moved into dynamic ad insertion. I was a very early proponent, you know, I've got witnesses here <laughs> of dynamic ad insertion and that allowed us to sort of, you know, uh, get a little bit more sophisticated about how we were thinking about it and allowed us to monetize every impression. Um, and now we're moving into this world. We've gone through Consolidation, I'm a product of it. You know, uh, consolidation meaning, you know, the iHearts, the SXM Medias, the Spotify's sort of bought up a bunch of these companies and a bunch of the content creators and a bunch of the platforms, the distribution platforms, hosting and distribution platforms, that now we're sort of moving into this world, which is kind of what I'm entirely focused on, where we're breaking down the barriers between these competitors, right? It's never been a better time to be in the long tail because anywhere you look, whatever platform you plug into, it's probably got a pipe from one of these big consolidated networks that really want your impressions. <laughs> so it's a new way of thinking about it. We've, we've grown up in a very sort of siloed world where when I say we, I mean the publishers, the networks. Um, but all of that's changing because it's, it's the need for impressions, the need to satisfy audience targets for brands has never been greater. So I would propose that there's never been a better time to be an indie or be a part of the long tail because there's really no barrier between doing your thing and plugging in to a demand source or a revenue source to help fund it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, three, four ads in a podcast, but that's not necessarily, like, that's not happening out of the long tail at this point, is it? And you're not seeing the same ad load um, for the top 200 podcasts that you are with the, you know, podcast that Daryl was talking about between 1,000 and 10,000 downloads. Certainly my listening, and, and some of those are my favorite podcasts because they speak to personal passions, is I hear a lot of, we'll be right back after this five seconds of silence and then they're right back, you know. Um, so there's a lot of empty inventory, it seems, out there. 
Yeah, there, I mean, there absolutely is a lot of empty inventory. Um, and certainly the question is then why is that inventory empty? And, you know, when we think about that, I really believe that it comes down to um, a couple of important things. And, you know, I, of course, focus on, on you know, the podcasts that are doing dynamic ad insertion uh, that are smaller. And we find that a lot of the media, you know, buying agencies are not super interested in dynamic ad insertion. There's concerns about um, how it is really performing. Is it performing the same as embedded ad reads? And so then there's, you know, a constant conversation about how we can actually really perfect dynamic ad insertion. Um, and then really there's the question of, you know, as you said, Sarah, you have to have the right pipe coming into your show, right, in order to get into the programmatic space. And, as much as host-read endorsement ads are really powerful and they have this ability to you know, create this connection between the audience and the advertiser, um, hosts like to do host-read ads, we can never fully monetize a show if we're relying 100% on host-read ads. If you have three or four host-read ads in the same podcast, you mean that could be an issue? No, it, I, I don't think that, that three or four host-read ads are an issue, it's just that in terms of the technology and the way that we're currently selling ads, it doesn't happen where you're able to actually fill the inventory. So, you know, for instance, if I'm selling a podcast, let's say I'm selling 50,000 impressions. So I go to an ad, you know, an agency, they order 50,000 impressions and, and we put, you know, this host read ad in and it's great. Well, we get to the end of the month and that show had an appearance on some big media platform, and instead of getting 50,000 impressions, they ended up having 150,000 impressions to sell. Or, you know, the number is much higher than we had originally manually calculated. And so then we had all of these impressions that went unsold. In order to fully fill everything, we have to rely on technology. And a, a host read ad is a almost like an artisanal, handcrafted thing, you know? It, it represents a human conversation, or at least an email, right? Between two people, right? And that's not efficient, you know? It's super effective, but there are balances, right? So the efficiencies that are starting to come into play around the process of getting the ads recorded and into the shows is really, like, what's driving the long tails, you know, potential, right? What are the barriers right now to getting those ads out into the long tail? What are those things that are holding it back? Daryl? Yeah, I mean, I think from, a, from an advertiser and an and a ad agency perspective, what they really want is they want to be able to know where they're advertising. They want to know that it is brand safe. Their definition of brand safe may be something different than another brand. And they want it to be easy to buy. And um, uh, you know, so these are the tools and the technology that are in process of being put in place in the industry. We're definitely, to Sarah's point, at a better place than we've ever been, but we will be in a better place two years from now, an even better place from four years from now. And, I mean, the, the brands and the advertising dollars will continue to increase in podcasting, and there's too much incentive to, uh, for us not to build these tools and um, you know so for people who have a podcast with a smaller audience and they're struggling to monetize it I mean keep building your audience and have faith and these things are getting put in place and it will continue to get to get better and better what is happening in the brand safety front that um, 
solves that problem or is solving that problem? Or, or how close are we to getting that problem solved? I would equate it to the same moment in sort of display and video when viewability popped up as a term, as a thing, as a concept. So essentially, back in the old days, uh, the IAB <laughs> blessed a handful of vendors as viewability vendors. And essentially, they created um, standards and guidelines around what could count as an impression. And usually it was 50% above the fold in a website, um, you know, X amount of the ad file had loaded, blah, 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 just as a measure of, yeah, your ad was seen. Because there were a lot of like shenanigans going on with things loading in the background and counting as impressions when nobody actually saw them. So I would say the brand safety, like where we are with brand safety in podcasting is sort of at that early stage where there are vendors emerging and full transparency, iHeart has invested in Sounder FM uh, as a vendor that we're really, you know, excited about um, to be able to transcribe and then apply machine learning and AI to the transcription to really get a sense of criteria. And they'll um, sort of compare it to existing standards out there. One is GARM. Uh, the other is IAB standards, so that they are using sort of third-party, sort of pre-baked uh, ideas of what brand safety is, and then they can go that extra mile and actually target contextually. So, you know, two dope queens, right, doesn't mean marijuana, it means, you know, an amazing podcast. So if you targeted just by keyword, you'd miss that amazing inventory. Whereas if you have a contextual layer, you would be in it where you belonged, if that makes sense. Is, is that getting into the brand suitability area then too, for that contexting? You mean the other way? Like is well, in other words, not just about brand safety, but is this just a good fit exactly, for this? Exactly, that's the contextual yeah. layer yeah. that folks are doing. And I know Spotify has a version of this. I know SXM has a version of this. And they're all kind of emerging. You'll see headlines like every day about, oh, Sounder FM is now with Odyssey, I believe uh, they did a deal. And so, you know, I think it's, it's just another uh, piece of technology that's emerging that the buyers will need to sort of get a sense of, okay, wh who, do I, who do I trust? Who am I verifying? Who's okay to use as a standard for our agency? Just like they would with measurement. Now, are there barriers from the podcaster's side to being able to get their ad dollars up to the long tail are the things that, that are making it harder for them to sort of embrace the opportunity? Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean, I think the biggest barriers for podcasters are, I mean, the biggest barrier is education, right? The average podcaster creates a podcast because they're really passionate about something and they're like, hey, it'd be really fun to create a podcast. But they really don't know a ton about the industry. I'm always fascinated. We work with about 90 shows and um, all of them are, are lovely, wonderful people, but many of them are not really like educated about industry knowledge. They don't understand what's going on. You know, if we talk to them about attribution tracking or, you know, different things, they just don't get it, right? And, and I think when it comes to programmatic, it is, there is this fear factor around somebody's gonna play some crazy ad in my podcast and I don't want that to happen. I also think that when we, when we think about podcasters, building a podcast is really hard work. So you've got this content creator that's just putting all of this 
energy into really creating great content and building an audience, and their audience is extremely important to them, and they don't want to feel like they're overwhelming their audience with ad messages that they don't want. So when we, when we think about pre-recorded ads, there is a level of concern, and let's be honest, I mean, we've got you know systems in place, but that doesn't mean that you aren't gonna sometimes get ads in your show that you don't really want, right? So that does happen. Um, but I also think, um, so behind education is really the technology. So when we look at the iHearts and when we look at the bigger organizations, yes, they do have you know, this long tail that your technology can tap into. But when you look at the broader scope of the industry, the reality is, is that the average podcaster doesn't realize that oh, my hosting provider's really important. If I'm with a hosting provider that doesn't allow me the capabilities to really plug into programmatic ads or to plug into some of these monetization tools, that's going to limit me. They, they just don't have time to stay up to date on ad tech, is what you're saying, No, right? they don't. It's strange. I guess they're doing other things besides that. So, you know, really for me, it's about education. It's about getting information out to the podcasters and helping them navigate through the space so that we really can help them make money, which is what they all want to do. So, so is it education or building trust? That's a great question, and it is building trust. And that, of course, gets into the fact that oftentimes in the podcast space, things can be confusing, and it's hard to know who to listen to, and you know, there's just different messages. It, it isn't always super clear and you do need to find a trusted advisor. So programmatic, you talked about programmatic, um, and you know there's been an enormous amount of talk at the conference around programmatic. Um, I think though the IAB report that came out earlier this year, I think it pegged programmatic at something like 2% of all advertising revenue um, for podcasts. Now that's based on um, 2021 numbers, um, has the dam broken on that? Is, it, is there a lot more coming, or is it still drips and drabs? I think, I think streaming is definitely more mature than podcasting, right? And there's a definite level of comfort with streaming. I think we're getting there. I think there's also, you know, we've... <laughs> We've been in this very siloed world in the past, and so if you're talking, if what's the opportunity when all of the buckets of inventory are relatively medium-sized, right? I think there's a real opportunity to sort of open it up like digital media, just connect it all, wherever you, connect everything, let's go, and really give buyers that deep, deep well of inventory to match up to their needs. Now, what does that do to individual podcasters or to individual networks? What's their value proposition? All of those sort of audience-based campaigns are pre-produced creative, right? They're not the host reads. So now you have this bifurcated opportunity where host reads really are artisanal. They're custom. They're expensive because they're taking the time of the creator as they should be, right? And that's one treatment. That's the impact route, right? If you want to have impact, you have that host read, you have that personal interaction, and you really sort of, sort of thoughtfully work with that creator to connect to their audience. But some marketers also need reach, right? There are a number of KPIs, and sometimes they want both. So that one-two punch of, 
I'm going to hand select the exact right shows for my brand and have a real relationship with them. And I'm also going to get my message out to podcast listeners in a really targeted way so that every woman 18 to 49 knows exactly where to get her next, you know, traveling suitcase, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's a new tactic, but it like to get that deeper well, and you know, you really need to break down those silos. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that um, as podcasting has enough brands spending what they should be in podcasting, given the effectiveness of the medium, given how much listening is occurring, they will it not be able to reach the amount of listeners that they need to just by advertising in the premium shows and doing those direct deals. They are going to have to advertise across hundreds or thousands of shows in an efficient way uh, to get what they want. Especially if they have a tight target too, right? You, the right. tighter the target, the further you'd have to go to get that, um, to get that reach. Right. Exactly. And it, you know, think about mediums that get, I would argue, a bigger share of ad spend than they deserve television. You know, they, they buy television for scale, right? And we have scale. We just need to connect the dots and break down the barriers so that we can offer up that same tactic, right, to buyers. We're here. They can use us. And again, blogs are also a long-tail medium. And really, blogs and podcasts are similar in that regard. There's a relatively low barrier of entry. It's not like movies. Why is you know, the long-tail isn't moving into movies? Well, it costs a lot to make a great movie. Um, and you know um, the best podcasts have put a lot of effort and time and, into it, but but in relative terms, it's it's as easy as writing a blog. But you you know digital, online. I mean, the smallest blog in the world still has banners that are being sold programmatically, and that blogger is getting some kind of revenue from that. Exactly, and I've heard a lot of comparisons from podcasting and the early days of blogging because it is you know, personally driven, and you have a lot of experience in this space, I think, you know, it's, we've all had that gut check conversation, right? Ooh, is it, is it going to kill it? Is it going to sound gross? Is it going to, and you can, you can absolutely choose not to partake, but when it comes to the way I look at it, and I've always been sort of, I've seen my role as not like advertising per se, but how do I support the creator so that they can live to create another day. I've always been just mo like giving funds to the creator so that they can keep creating, they can keep making that next episode of Radio Lab or whatever that so many people love because it takes money. Like this, you know, it shouldn't have to be a side hustle to make us think and feel and have that fuzzy moment when we're listening to our favorite podcast. They should be paid. And the way that they're paid is a number of ways, but that there's that painstaking conversation, email exchange, where they're going to craft a personal message based on their experience with a product, and that takes time, effort. It's, you know, it's, you can only do so many of those and still create your podcast. And then there's this more efficient way. And I think you, opting into the inefficient way isn't selling out. Like, I'm Gen X, I understand, I know what the term selling out means deep in our bones to like give it, right? And podcasting just naturally is that kind of indie fun thing at its core. Um, if, if selling out means that you can live to create another day, you should think about it. <laughs> 
I, I also do think that you don't have to sell out, yeah. right? I mean, just because you're doing programmatic. And listen, I am all about the host read ads. I think that podcasters are influencers, and I think we should lean into that. But I also think that when it comes to programmatic, part of what we need to do is make sure that we're positioning this to brands and advertisers that the creative is really important. They shouldn't be taking their radio ad and putting it into podcasting. And if we can get that message out there as well, I do think that you know there are some programmatic ads that are done extremely well. And then there are radio ads that they put in podcasts, right? And so if we can try to really focus on that as we move into it and really just educate you know, the agencies and educate the buyers that if you create a really interesting ad, it's going to be more effective in the end, I think that that also would be really helpful. So that the agencies need to be working on that side to get better creative that fits podcasting? Is that, I mean, are they, are they not going to do that? No, they will. They absolutely will. Yeah. And I think that uh, most good marketers really want to have it be a good experience for the listener. Well, I want to fess up because iHeart, in addition to, you know, being a huge podcast network, is also a bunch of smaller radio stations, like big stations, small stations. There's like 1,500 sellers out there who are geo-targeting any listening in their area, be it iHeart shows or shows in our network, if they happen to be heard in our geo, right? So there could be, you know, the Tupelo, you know, and, and someone's hearing an ad, but the, the creative could actually come from a small business in that market. So if we're expecting these like, woo, you know, the excellent, you know, Madison Avenue ads hearing all the time, sometimes it's the local, like, you know, mom and pop store in your area that wants to geo-target in your area and they're on shows that happen to be heard in that area. But that's also such a good point. Um, I had uh, in my local market, someone I worked with years ago reached out to me um, and said, Heather, I don't understand podcasting. Like he owns a local agency. He's like, how am I supposed to buy it? I don't get it. And I'm like, it's not super easy, but wouldn't it be great? And it's, we're headed that way where like the local car dealer can advertise on a local podcast and reach that market. And then also when you think about, about the ad, if you're you know, getting an ad from the local car dealer, that's going to feel better to you because it's something that... Authentic. Yes, it's authentic and it's something you actually might be interested in, you know, uh, working with that business for. And talk about squeezing out every last impression. Like, that's the way you do it. Like, to maximize all listening in that market to those listeners in that market, you know, that's, that's how you do well, it. Well, the iHeart Audience Network, you have a lot of iHeart programs, right, that are part of that. So, um, to hear the local car dealer and even to hear him say, come on down right now, is not going to be, not going to freak them out the same, what the listeners to that show, the same way as it might to listen to Radiolab, yeah. right? Yeah, and so many of those local advertisers and agencies haven't even gotten into podcasting yet. They haven't yeah. tried it and learned from their first experience so that it continues to grow. So there is, I mean, that's just really evidence that there is so much opportunity. I mean, we really are just still scratching the surface of all of this in podcasting. And, and that is context, too, is what we're talking about. What is the show? What's the kind of fit? What kind of ad does fit there? It isn't necessarily one size fits all. So I'm going to wrap this up, um, just you know, asking you each to make a prediction. So five years from now, and it's not unrealistic to expect, that we'll be at sort of full monetization of the long tail. In five years, we're going to be at full monetization? 
You don't think so? But we're going to grow, and then it'll keep growing, and you have to keep filling that bucket. It's never ending. Oh, 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 oh that, that still means that there's more podcast listening going on. I'm not saying that's the end of the, of the growth. I'm just saying that we'll finally get ads out to those um, long-tail podcasts that right now are saying, we'll be back after these messages, and there are no messages. Um, what are the two things that have to happen? to get to that point where really that money flows smoothly out to the long tail and, and you're able to get that inventory out there. The podcasters at that, those long tail podcasters have the opportunity to monetize. I can start with a super boring answer to that. It's literally systems, internal systems within the networks that can, like, that can forecast inventory, <laughs> like literally, it's a horrible, horrible secret that nobody has a system that really forecasts inventory and that can bill, like based on all of these specific, it's, it's those sort of like low hanging fruit things. There are no systems really built for the business of podcasting. They're all kind of jury rigged from streaming or video or something like that. Um, and this is not to say they don't work, it's just to say, it's those little niggling things that like, oh, I can't pull a report for all the, you know, all the bills I need to send out to all these creators who d were in this particular geo. Those things are hard. They're done manually right now. And they're really slowing down our ability to just exponentially speed up. So any entrepreneurs out there that want to dig in <laughs> and build some of these systems, that's, I think, the thing that needs to happen to just accelerate this whole thing. Heather? I, I think, like I said before, I totally agree with Sarah. Technology is so super, super important. We have to have that in order to get there. So that is super key. And then education. We have to make sure that podcasters understand how to tap into the resources and how important it is to tap into them. Great. Daryl? Yeah, so I, I agree with what both of you said. I'll just step outside of that. And since I'm on the measurement guy, I'll talk a little bit about measurement and planning tools. I mean. I, I want to know who I'm reaching uh, with my advertising. Uh, I want to know, was that advertising effective in driving an outcome? And I want that feedback loop to help determine where am I going to advertise next and how to continue to improve it as an advertiser. Um, you know, so that's the other element of it. I totally agree that tech, make it easy to buy, know what I'm buying, um, only buy what I want. Uh, is all, all important, and it needs to be uh, turnkey. Yeah. Uh, but I'll also call out the measurement as well. So tech, measurement, and education, right? Three things. Um, interested in hearing from those, um, if anybody has any questions or comments of their own in terms of what they think has to happen to get those ad dollars out to the long tail. Andrew Deck. Do we, do we need do a, a mic microphone for him somewhere? for questions? Thank you. It's on its way, Andrew. So one thing that we work on with our kind of like mid-tier podcasts like that are smaller than Radiolab, thank you for all the Radiolab shout-outs, by the way, um, is educating advertisers about the share of voice. Like when you're buying, you know, 50,000 impressions, that's going to go a lot further on this podcast. So really selling on the share of voice or share of ear whatever phrase you want to yes. go with. So, but that takes a lot of educating uh, agencies and clients that teach that. So that's a big struggle that we have 
to go about. Education, the advertiser level as well as the podcaster level. And then I think transparency, right? Because um, like, like you said, if you, have, if you buy 50,000 impressions and they deliver in two hours, is that really what you wanted, right? Or did you want them to deliver over a month? So, and like, yeah, those are all really important. Other questions, thoughts? This is a conversation, right? It doesn't have to be a question and answer. Interested in hearing? I have two questions, if I may. What do you think about the importance of search when you're talking about long tail? Because long tail, you're creating so much content, the ability to reach that long tail, how do you think or approach the search problem? And I have another one afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good. Wasn't Google trying to make audio searchable? And did they keep that. doing that? I don't know. I mean, How do we find it? We right? do it's have audience. more transcriptions out there exactly. now. But certainly the raw data is there to pull that out. Um, and you're talking about from when you're making an advertising buy, not just when you're trying to find your favorite podcast, right? Well, if you want to advertise on the long tail, you have to have the ability to find that long tail. Mm. Right. Searching audio is difficult if you get like the full episode back so it's important to use like snippets or something like that in order to reach that so you won't be able to monetize long tail if the users weren't able to find the long tail right yeah well and, and to answer it from an advertising perspective if you're trying to reach the long tail my best recommendation is that you find networks so there are lots of networks of shows that maybe they have a hundred podcasts that are tiny, um, but there are lots of really good networks. And I do predict that at some point we're going to come up with some sort of like a podcast network directory. Again, another great idea if anyone wants to build that. Um, where, because, or like working like with True Native Media, where you're going to like a rep firm that is advertised cast is a really good place for things like that. Zvook is a really good place. Um, so you can go to online you know, places to find uh, find those smaller shows if you're looking to advertise on smaller shows. Yeah, I also think when you talk about the categorization of shows and the type of shows, um, society and culture is like a, an Apple podcast category. It's extremely broad. Uh, so I think there's an opportunity to create subgenres or, or even a layer deeper than that so that when you want to advertise in certain types of podcasts, not just a keyword search of a, a certain topic in a certain episode, but I think there can be better classification of the types of podcasts. Second question, you mentioned host reads. What do you think about automated host reads using TTS? I think that they're great. I think, I think that all pod, my, my feeling is that all podcasts should do dynamic ad insertion and that you should start by selling host read ads. So if you have the capability to sell host read ads at the highest dollar amount, um, and then you should just waterfall it down from there and fill in the cracks with programmatic. But um, we really do need to work on good systems so that dynamically, ad dynamically inserted ads are more effective because right now I think there is concerns about their effectiveness. But I really do believe, especially from an, a monetization perspective, that that's that's what should happen. No, I mean like automatically created. So you can use oh, the like host voice the, yes, to like, read that yes, ad you AI. want, but then it comes, yeah. I mean, these kind of platforms. I, deep fakes, right? Yeah, deep deep fakes. fakes with the approval of the <laughs> host. 
what am I endorsing? Who put that in there? How did I get permission? Well, you, you can approve that, but just like they're promoting their stations yeah, no, when no, they're no. syndicated. I've, it's, I've it's, seen some early models of it. I've heard some early examples of it, and it's kind of scary. Like, <laughs> they're very authentic. I know. We're making these. We so need the I, blockchain to like make sure that everyone's approving every step and that it's not deep fakes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. It's cool. Mark, do you have a question? Uh, a very interesting discussion so far, guys. Thank you. Um, I'm fascinated with the move Spotify is making in the long tail. Um, I think even before they bought Anchor, Anchor was offering sort of one-click AdSense for audio monetization. I'm curious if you are bullish, if this falls into the category of tech that you're excited about, or if you're nervous that power would flow into the hands of one company that makes decisions, um, or how you're thinking about the opportunity, threat, changing landscape that specifically is Spotify and moves they're making? No, I think Spotify was, was you know, very um, forward-thinking in their acquisition of Anchor. I remember visiting those guys in the meatpacking district when they were still at Betaworks and sort of figuring it out. They're, it's great. It's an on-ramp for more creators to put their stuff out there. Um, you know, they keep it kind of within the, you know, formerly Megaphone, now Span sort of network, which is which is great, but it's starting to open up, right? So, um, you know, I would say invite everybody to the party, but then open up a little bit so that more ads can go back and forth. You know, and there are concerns about, you know, what is this content? Is it appropriate? Is it a copy of somebody else? Those little headlines have come up in the past, and that's just growing pains, I think. That's just putting processes and, and protocols in place to make sure that um, you know, there are sort of verification processes for things that are onboarded. Like user-generated content has always been a little bit of a hot button in the digital world. It's a little bit risky if, if just you know, folks are, are putting stuff up. But it's, it's, they, were, they were really smart in acquiring them first because they saw, OK, we can be efficient with advertising. We need scale. Let's invite these creators to the party by acquiring this tool to get them on there. So A plus for vision. Yeah, I've come around to where I'm not really worried at all about what Spotify has done uh, from a standpoint of not concerned. Um, I just think if, if you're concerned, that's the only place where you're going to be able to advertise or the only place where you're going to be able to get attribution results. They're going to be, there's plenty of investment in podcasting. There's going to be plenty of alternatives. So Spotify has every right to offer that suite of solutions that they offer and to use everything at their disposal. There will be alternatives. It's, um, it, it's inevitable. It's not a monopoly right. at this point. Correct. I want to thank you. Tremendous um, insights um, on and, and really kind of, you know, a little peering into the future in terms of, you know, what the opportunities are. And, and I think there's probably, if anybody was taking notes about some of the opportunities, business opportunities, if you've got developers and things that can get on some of these systems and tech uh, solutions, um, you know, they should be listening to this. So thank you again, and thank you for your questions as well. <laughs>